but it's okay. Anybody uh, ever feel the need to add that on to the back end of any statement that you make that might sound somewhat negative? I lost my job this week and I'm not sure how I'm going to pay the bills, but it's okay. I've been paralyzed by my anxiety this week, but it's okay. My husband and I are really struggling in our marriage, but it's okay. Am I describing anybody here today? You ever feel that, that need to disqualify that? And I'd wrestle with that a lot because ultimately it is going to be okay. I believe the truth of Romans 8.28 where it talks about how God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So ultimately God does work through all circumstances. So I guess that it is going to be okay eventually. But that doesn't change the fact that sometimes we experience deep levels of pain. Makes me think back to one of the teachers that my youngest daughter had in high school. One day he pulled her aside in class and he said, Autumn, it's okay to not be okay. There's a lot of truth to that. Even for those of us that know Christ and we have hope in Christ and we know that God ultimately is working good through every circumstance, sometimes it's okay to acknowledge we're having a hard time, we're struggling. I want you to open your Bible with me to Mark chapter 14, if you would. What we're about to read together is a continuation of Jesus' uh, last supper with his disciples. That's what came right before. It says that they went out to the Mount of Olives after they had had this last supper together. And then we pick it up in verse 32. And it says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This passage begins by telling us that they went to a place called Gethsemane. Now, right before that, as we said, he talked about them going to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives was one of three hills along a long ridge just east of Jerusalem. And Gethsemane was located on a slope of the Mount of Olives, just across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. So when he identifies Gethsemane, he's identifying a specific location within this larger uh, location of the the Mount of Olives. It, It would kind of be like the difference between saying, I'm going to Wiley and I'm going to Founders Park, right? Like specific area located within the city, but, but you know exactly what he's talking about. And it's interesting 
that it points out the specific location, and I believe that's for a purpose. See, when we continue reading on the very next verses where it talks about Judas coming and Judas brought this band of soldiers to come and arrest Jesus, here's the question. How did Judas know where they were? Because he wasn't with them. You know, he left the supper. He wasn't with them when they went to this place called Gethsemane. Uh, So how did he know where to go? And the answer is simple. They worked together all the time. They shared one another's locations on their iPhone. I mean, they needed to know where those know. It wasn't that. So how did he know? How did he know where to find them? If you listen to our two and two podcasts this week, you already know the answer to that because we talked about this a little bit in that. But in John 18, 2, it gives the answer. It says, now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place. Why? Because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Gethsemane was a go-to place for Jesus to meet with his disciples, to meet with the Father. It was a place where they communed with God. Now, sometimes there were really, really heavy things that he needed to deal with, such as in this case. But other times, I believe, they just went there to to pray. They went there to talk. I, I imagine there was a lot of laughter that rang out among the disciples there in this place called Gethsemane. But they had their special place that they knew that they could go and meet with God. Now, my question for you is, where is your Gethsemane? Do you have a place like that? I mean, it could be, you know, a beautiful olive grove like it was for Jesus, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be a a special chair in your home. It could be a prayer closet. It could be a garden. It could be a walking trail somewhere. It could be really any number of things. But we need those special places where we can meet with God. Now, obviously, we can meet with God anywhere, anytime, right? We know that. Wherever we are, God is not limited to a certain location, but there's something significant about being able to return to a place that we know this is the place where I meet with God, especially when we're dealing with something heavy, right? Jesus had been to this place, and the disciples had been to this place many, many times before, and so it just kind of made sense. This is where they're going to go. And when you are feeling the weight, when crisis hits, it's really nice if you have your Gethsemane already, because then you can go, and and it's just a continuation of what you normally do in meeting with God. So I would encourage you to have that place. And if you don't have one, to create one and make that a priority. But I really want to spend the the bulk of our time today talking about, okay, so what do we do when life begins to fall apart? Because this is getting down to the very end for Jesus, and we see that he's incredibly stressed and feeling sorrow, and he's really, really struggling. And some of us are in that exact same boat. Some of you right now, I mean, you're dealing with some incredibly heavy stuff really painful things that you're walking through. And for some, you're asking the question, am I ever going to make it to the other side? Am I even going to be able to make it out of this? And if that's where you find yourself today, I hope that, that, that God provides supernaturally as only he can that hope. And the answer to that is yes, he will see you through that as difficult as it is. But others find yourself in a place where maybe it's not you know, just a completely life-altering type of struggle that you're going through, but it's something painful. It's, it's, maybe it's been just a frustrating week, as has kind of been the case for me. I'll share a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later on. But whether it's something minor, a minor irritation, or whether it's some major crisis in your life, 
there are a couple of things that we see Jesus doing that we can apply and that we can do as well uh, that, that are just really simple, really straightforward, but really impactful. And it starts with this. We need to be honest with others about our struggles. We need to be honest with other people that we trust and that we're close to about our struggles. Verse 33 says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and you might recall he's done this before. It's in the first time. So he's got his 12, but then out of the 12 are three that he has a particularly close relationship with and he pours into. Took him with him, and it says in verse 33, he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Now remember, this is Jesus. This is God in human flesh who is greatly distressed and troubled. Don't ever let anybody tell you that it's somehow ungodly to be distressed or to be troubled or to go through uh, some type of, of pain or difficulty or even anxiety. We shouldn't live there. We shouldn't stay there forever. Jesus didn't, didn't live there forever. But he went through periods where he really, really struggled. And it's not ungodly. Jesus did it. It's not a lack of faith. I mean, in, in some cases, maybe we could get to that point. But just the fact that you're struggling and are honest about it is not a lack of faith. And, and I want you to notice that when, when it says that Jesus was greatly distressed and troubled, then the very next verse, and he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to the point of death. It, it doesn't say, and so Jesus hid it from them because he didn't want them to see his weakness. It doesn't say, and so he rebuked the sorrow and distress in the name of Jesus, which would be weird because he is Jesus, but it doesn't say that. It says that he was just honest with them. He just came straight out and he said, look, I'm, I'm feeling this sorrow. I'm distressed right now. If Jesus can do that, we can too, right? Now, I, I want to be clear in saying this, that if you find yourself just living there constantly to where there's no joy, you know, I mean, it's just overwhelming, crushing sense of, of sorrow and sadness all the time. Um, that's not God's intent. Now, I don't say that to, to criticize you. I say, to say, I would encourage you to, to reach out for help because we, we all need that so often. It's not that we just, you know, exist there continually, but at the same time, we need to acknowledge it when we are there. We need to say, this is, this is where I am right now, and I'm having a hard time. And, you know, man, a lot of times we're not real good about being honest with people. We're not real good about opening up and saying, this is what's going on in my life. Let me talk to you about the weakness in my life. Let me talk to you about the pain that I'm going through. Sometimes we hide things from people for a variety of reasons. Maybe in some cases it's because there's some type of, of just gross sin in our life that we're trying to keep hidden so that nobody else sees it or knows about it. And we're ashamed of it because we know it's not right. And we know that even though you know, maybe you, you do have a relationship with Christ, even as followers of Jesus, sometimes we can allow ourselves to be led down some very dark paths that we have no business going down. And when we do, Maybe there's a tendency to want to hide that from other people. I don't want anybody else to know what's going on in my life. And can I just tell you that if that's you, I've been praying like crazy for you. I may not know who you are. I may not know what's going on in your life. But I've really been praying leading into today's message that God would, would give you the ability to be honest about that. Because that's the first step. 
We have to say, here's where I am. This is what I'm struggling with. But sometimes we hide things from other people, not because there's some type of gross sin in our lives, but because we're ashamed. Maybe because we're embarrassed of things. Maybe there are things that have happened to you in the past that are not sinful. It's not even your own fault that these things have happened to you, but you're still embarrassed of it. You don't want to talk about it, and maybe you're wrestling with it, or you're wrestling with some type of insecurity. Maybe you're wrestling with the way you view yourself. Maybe you just have self-hatred to the point of even having suicidal thoughts. Like, do I just end it all because I don't feel any worth, but you don't want to let anybody else know that? Can I just tell you, wherever you find yourself, I mean, obviously Jesus' issue wasn't a sin issue, but, but Jesus was honest with those that he trusted. He was honest with those that were close to him. And he said, I am going through this incredible sorrow and this pain in my life right now. But you know, he didn't stop there. And this is really, really important. He didn't just tell them what was going on. He actually asked for their help. The scripture says that he asked them, stay here and pray with me. See, what he needed in that moment was prayer. And he asked for it. He asked for help. Again, can I just emphasize the Son of God, God in human flesh, saying, I need your help. I want you to to pray for me. Now, did they do it very well? They didn't. We'll get to that in a minute. People don't always come through for us like we wish they would. But the point is that Jesus was willing to say, here's what I need. You know, sometimes there, there are people around you that would love to step into your life and help you and encourage you, but they don't know what to do. And maybe they don't even know what's going on in your life. And maybe you find yourself feeling isolated and alone, and it's because you're not letting anybody in. Nobody knows what's going on. And if they do, maybe they're not sure what to do. So just say, hey, here's what I need from you right now. I need you to be a friend. I need you to check on me. I need you to pray for me. Whatever. But just let people know. And you know, it doesn't just have to be what I would call the big stuff, right? The major crisis types of things. Sometimes it can just be, I'm frustrated. I mentioned that I had a, a bit of a frustrating start to the week this week. It, it was good and bad at the same time. But the good part is uh, we had the opportunity on Monday. We took our youngest, Autumn, back to College Station and got her moved into a new place. So she's living in a new place uh, for the first time. and uh, Well, not for the first time. First time in this particular place. And it was the first time it was unfurnished. And so we're bringing furniture and you know, doing all that, set, setting up this place. Great little place. The problem was we got there. There were three dudes that lived there before her. And they did not do a clean and a prep of the unit. I'm just going to leave it at that and let your imagination go from there. But it, it wasn't what we were anticipating. So um, the whole time we're there and I'm you know, trying to put furniture together. And you know, my goal is you know, get everything set up. I want to be totally ready so that when we leave, everything's in its place, right? And Sean's job is more make it look pretty. I'm the functional, like make sure things work, right? And they're put together and that kind of thing. So that's the goal. Well, they didn't do their thing. So they've got people coming in and they're cleaning and changing stuff and painting and doing all this stuff. And I mean, the other family's moving in. We're, we're moving in. There's two of us moving in together, you know, at the same time with workers, with paint, with a dog. If you've ever seen Oakley, you know, that's the, the, I don't even have to explain that further. So it was a bit chaotic. Things didn't go like we wanted to. Now, on top of that, about a month before we left, I set up a very specific day to have Internet installed. It was going to be Tuesday morning. 
All right, we get there Monday night. We get the keys Tuesday morning. First thing, I want the internet hooked up so I can, you know, get, get all the computers. I'm going to install security cameras, all this kind of stuff. I'm going to get all that ready to go. They don't show up. Internet doesn't show up Tuesday morning, doesn't show up Tuesday afternoon, doesn't show up, you know. So we call it, well, we'll be there tomorrow morning. So Wednesday's our last day. We've got to come back Wednesday night. We go through the entire day Wednesday, still no internet. So we leave late on Wednesday with just things that still need to be done that weren't done on the front end. No internet, nothing set up. And we're coming back with that. And I'm just telling you, I'm frustrated. We get back about 11:15 on Wednesday night. Thursday morning, I'm like, I got I to gotta get up here and get going because I've got a message to prep for today. And we had equip conference over the weekend, which I was mostly prepared for that. But I hadn't even started, quite honestly, other than thinking through the topic. I hadn't even started putting pen to paper yet for today's message. So I'm feeling stressed Thursday morning. And I'm preparing a message on the importance of being honest when you're struggling. And Stephen walks in and says, hey, how was, how'd it go? getting on a move in and I'm like I got to be honest because I'm actually preaching on this this Sunday so I've got to practice what I preach right and so I just said hey you know it was good but here's some things that happened I'm just a little frustrated and in my mind I'm feeling overwhelmed because I've got a lot of prep to do and I'm like when am I going to get back down to college station you know I just not looking forward to doing that trip again I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. All I said is things didn't go like I wanted them to. You know, there's still some stuff left to be done. And Stephen goes, well, let's do a road trip together. I'll go with you. We'll go get it all hooked up. We'll take care of it. And can I just tell you that one little statement was like, the whole burden just lifted. And I was like, yeah, that, that would be fun. Like, it went from here's something I have to do that I'm dreading to this will be fun, something we can do. Now, that's, that's a minor thing, Right? Not, not a, I mean, if the biggest problem I have in my life is, my, you know, the Internet's not hooked up and I've got to make another trip to College Station, that I, I'm doing pretty well, and I realized that. But I was frustrated, and it was keeping me from being able to focus. It was keeping me from, you know, just feeling like I was really on track for a really important weekend. And all of that shifted, and it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't said, well, here's kind of where I'm at right now, right? That's hard sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for us to acknowledge that, that we are not doing great but we need to do that we need to be honest with other people about our struggles but here's the second thing and this is even more important we need to be honest with God about our struggles verse 32 says that Jesus told them when they got there the purpose of them being there was to pray he said sit here while I pray and then he goes off with the three and he says I want you to pray while I pray and he goes and he's just pouring his heart out to the father and he comes back and what does he find when he comes back to the three? They're asleep. I don't know about you. Every time I read this passage, it pricks my heart because I know what it's like to fall asleep praying. Anybody else? Anybody else been there? It's like, I, I, I know I need to be committed to this and this is important. And you just get tired. And sometimes it's hard to stay focused. And I feel that, that guilt sometimes of, man, I'm, I'm just... I'm letting God down in some way. That's where the disciples were. Now, that's a whole sermon for another day. I'm not going to go there other than just to make this point. It is important to reach out. It is important to talk to other people. But people are going to let you down. God never will. And so Jesus is praying. He is God. But he also is communing with and talking to the Father. And verse 35 tells us what he was praying specifically it says going a little farther he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him the hour he's talking about in, in the next verse 36 he talks about the cup those are both talking about the same thing he's talking about suffering 
this hour of wrath, this cup of suffering that he was about to go through, these are connected. And he's saying, I don't want to go through this. Because Jesus understood what was about to happen. He understood that he was about to become this lamb, this perfect lamb that was without blemish, that was sacrificed for sin. We see that throughout the Old Testament. Jesus is about to become the once-for-all sacrifice for our sins. But along with that was the fact that he was also going to receive the full wrath of God for the sins of all humankind. Past, present, future. Can you imagine that? The wrath of God being poured out on Jesus. And he knows that it's about to come. And that's what he's begging for. If there's any other way, let this hour pass. Let this cup pass me by. Next Sunday, we're going to begin a series in Revelation. We're going to be there actually for the entire fall uh, leading up to, to Christmas. But I, So I've been reading a little bit, but... Revelation talks about the wrath of God, and we'll get into that more later on. But can I just tell you that having, again, read that recently, this is no joke. In Revelation chapter 9, I remember as a, as a kid, when I went to Sunday school uh, one time, I don't remember exactly how old I was, and I wasn't in church all the time as a younger person, but I do remember going, and they were teaching in Revelation, and, and we were in this passage talking about, um, uh, Revelation 9 talks about these locusts, that are going to come and bring the wrath of God. And it says that they had faces like human faces, which is absolutely terrifying. They had long hair like the hair of women. They had teeth like lions. They wore breastplates of iron. And it said that they had tails with stingers that when they stung you felt like the pop of a scorpion. I was a little kid. I almost stepped on a scorpion one time. My mom picked me up right before I stepped on it. But I was terrified to begin with of being stung by a scorpion. That is a horrifying image of the wrath of God. I think I had nightmares for weeks after going to Sunday school that particular time. But I'm just telling you guys, rereading that again, the wrath of God is no joke. And that's just one little piece of it. I mean, we'll, we'll get into more of that in the weeks to come, but it's serious. And Jesus understands that. He knows what this is all about. So if that's the wrath of God that will be poured out eventually at the, in the end times, what would the wrath of God have been like that God was giving to Jesus to bear for all the sins of every person who would ever live? It's serious. And when I read that, my heart is filled with incredible gratitude as I think that Jesus went through that for us. Jesus took that on willingly for us. He endured the wrath of God so that I will never have to endure the wrath of God. As followers of Christ, when we trust in Him, we are forgiven. We, we take on the righteousness of Christ. Jesus paid that penalty for us already. And so because He paid that for us, we don't have to. So I'm incredibly grateful. But I also have another side to me when I think about that. I'm incredibly disturbed and frankly terrified for those that don't know Christ. Because I know what the Bible says about what our future holds apart from Jesus. And the reality is this, that apart from Christ, we are dead in our sins. That we are uh, objects of God's wrath. We may not experience that uh, right now in this life. But if we don't come to faith in Jesus, one day we will experience the wrath of God. And it's awful. And it's horrifying. And my desire for anybody that doesn't know that is I, I just want you to know. I don't, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm trying to warn people and say, look, you don't have to go down that path. It's real. 
and yet we can be forgiven. Jesus went through all of that for us. He endured all of that for us. But man, it was hard. Leading up to it was incredibly hard. Verse 36, he's praying. And notice how he addresses his father. It says, Abba, Father. And he says, all things are possible for you. So since everything's possible, can can we do this another way? And ultimately, by the way, the answer was no. This was the plan. This was, and he knew that. He knew he had come to die for us. But still, it's this, Abba, take this pain away. That word Abba, it's like the word daddy. It's a, it's a word of, of intimacy. I mean, when you are in that level of pain, and in Luke's gospel, it says that Jesus, while he was praying, that he was sweating. It was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That he was just in so much agony as he was praying. And, and, he, and he addresses his father in this term of intimacy, Abba. Let me just tell you that, that, that when it comes to pouring your heart out to God... All the formalities and the King James language and the these and the thous and all that stuff. That stuff needs to go out the window, especially when, when you are, when you're, as he says here, his soul is, is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he's just pouring his heart out. And I want you to know that you can do that too. When you are in pain, when you're feeling sorrow, when you're struggling, the most important thing you can do It's just to pour your heart out to God. You don't have to hold anything back. You don't have to worry about, you know, saying things the right way or using certain phrases. Man, just say, God, this is what I'm going through. I am so deeply struggling right now, and I need your help. I mean, go back and read through the Psalms. uh, The majority, I think, of the Psalms are just, man, here's what's going on. I need you, uh, and and I'm, I'm struggling right now. Now think about the parable Jesus told of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, the Pharisee prayed, God, thank you that I'm not like these other sinners. And the tax collector just said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he was very direct and he was very honest in his prayer. And Jesus said, this is the one that, that, is, that I'm pleased with. The one that just pours his heart out to the Father. So when we pray, we can be honest with God. We can be honest when we're hurting. We can be honest when we're frustrated. You, you realize that? You can even tell God if you're frustrated with him. Now, look, I, I get the whole reverence and respect thing, but to say, God, I don't understand, and I'm having a hard time with this. Again, read the Psalms. They're filled with those types of prayers. Be honest. But then, after we present those things to God and we're honest with God, then we have to let go and we have to let God be God. And that's what Jesus does because he ends this prayer, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now that can be a hard prayer to pray, especially if you're saying, Lord, if, if it's your will, I'm going to continue to be in incredible pain. I'm going to continue to suffer immensely, but maybe there's a purpose in that. Just be honest with God, but let him know that you want his will for your life more than anything else. We talked about that last week, didn't we? When Paul was praying, God, take this thorn, the thorn in my flesh, take it away. And his answer was, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. There, there may be a greater plan. There may be something that God is doing in your life and the answer, at least at the moment, is no. Because essentially that was the answer Jesus got. No, there's, we're not going to go another way. This is the way. 
Just know that when God leaves pain in your life and when God allows you to continue to struggle, um, there is a greater purpose in that. And God does have a plan. And God has not abandoned you. Guys, I don't know what you might find yourself going through these days, but I, I know um, that there are people in this room right now, there are people watching online right now that are hurting deeply. And you're feeling the weight of something. Maybe it's something that is brought on because of your own rebellion, because of your own sin. Maybe it's something that, that you're completely not responsible for. It's not the result of sin. It's not the result of any wrongdoing in your life. But you're feeling the weight of it just the same. Can I just encourage you today to be honest? Be honest with other people. To, to reach out to somebody that you know and trust and that you know loves you and has your best interest at heart. And, and that walks with the Lord because that's important too. But could you find somebody like that and just say, hey, can I just tell you where I'm at? Maybe it's something major. Maybe it's a minor thing like I'm frustrated that I got to make another trip to, you know, figure stuff out for my daughter and I'm just, you know, I'm just wrestling with that. It doesn't have to be huge stuff. It can be anything. I just want to encourage you um, to reach out and let somebody else in. Stop trying to hold it all in, please. Stop trying to hide things from other people and be honest. We need to be honest with others, but we also need to be honest with God. See, we know this, but God knows everything already anyway. Why in the world would we, would we try to hold anything back from Him? We just need to be honest. We need to bring our pain before Him. You can't get help until you get honest. And you can't begin to heal until you get real. So let today be that day that you get honest with God. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. But we need to bring those things before the Lord. Let's do that now. Lord, you know every detail of what's going on in our lives and you care. And that's mind-blowing to me. But I'm grateful for it. Lord, there are some today that are carrying really heavy burdens and nobody else knows it but you do. Lord, I pray that by the time they walk out, that wouldn't be true, that somebody else would know, that they would, would talk to somebody, but also, Lord, bring those things before you. Because, Lord, you are the only one who has the answers. We know that. Lord, would you bring the conviction into the life of all of us, Lord, when we're holding things back and especially if we're hiding things that need to come to the surface. Lord, I pray that we bring it out ourselves and if we don't, that we get found out. Because, Lord, we need to be honest about those things. And so that's my prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.